Yeah. Definitely got a tan. Uh, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I'm sunburned as hell right now. We are recording. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to the Pro Zone. This is Rick Del Santo. Joining me, as always, is the DVD freak, JJ Sins, and Dan the Beast. This week, we're doing another retro review 1989 SummerSlam, Meadowlands Arena, 20,000 fans in attendance. Feel the heat. This one was hosted by uh, Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Bottom Ventura, which um, I thought they did a great team or a great you know commentary. Uh, I know last week we discussed that everybody hated uh, superstar Billy Graham, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Tony and uh, at, at Tony this time, and, at this time, it was so weird because it was like you got Tony Schiavone who was the voice of WCW, and here right. he is. On a WWF pay per view on such a rare fucking occasion with Jesse the Body, and you know, kind of just like felt weird. I thought I thought I was watching the WCW event at the, you know, the beginning. I was like, like, eh, just don't. Well, it doesn't soothe right. It it doesn't. Like I, I'm so used a, to hearing like Gorilla and Body, but within a year, Tony Schiavone would be gone. He, uh, I, I remember listening to him on Sean Mooney's podcast. He basically could not afford to live in Connecticut, so. I don't know what the WWF was paying him at that time. Uh, apparently, it wasn't enough to keep uh, housing in Connecticut. Um, yeah. But he would go back to WCW. Eventually, him and Jesse would meet up again, and I think they'd host a, a lot of events together, such as like WCW Saturday Night and such. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. I thought this was a really good show overall. The stacked stacked lineup. I thought the main event. Where was did really it take place? Meadowlands Arena in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Okay, all right. That's why the crowd was so rowdy. Yeah. Yes. yes. Rowdy. So, oh, I don't remember it taking place in New Jersey uh, when I was younger. For some reason, for many years, I thought like the first three or four took place in uh, Madison Square Garden, but I guess I was wrong. Basically, in the general vicinity. Um, first match, I absolutely loved the Brain Busters, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. My favorite tag team of all time were the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions at the time, and they defeated uh, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. This match was, I think this was the best match on the card. Absolutely. No question about it. What do you guys I mean, think? I think this... Oh, Dan, Dan, go ahead. Oh, oh, excuse me. So, I thought this was a good uh, tag team match. I mean, probably one of the best tag team matches um, of the night. You know, the, the way I could probably explain this match was well executed and crisp um just you know everything in this match went very very well um i didn't really like the end with uh anderson being the illegal man and you know covers the steal the win but um other than that i mean you look at brett you could definitely tell this was like early brett hart at its finest and what we would see later on you know obviously all his moves were uh, well executed. And, uh, you know, match was very, very good. Um, definitely one of the best openers, I'd probably say, for some of them. So. JJ? Uh, Freak, go ahead. Go ahead, Freak. Yeah, it, it's my turn now. Um, oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, before Dan interrupted me. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, what are the odds that the first time I've been in New Jersey in years, we're reviewing a New Jersey pay-per-view. So, that is pretty um, interesting. Yeah, this uh, this is a 
great example of what an opening match should be. Gets the crowd hype. And this was a great crowd. They were into pretty much every match, which is rare. And, you know, this what? is tag team, tag team wrestling at its finest, you know. In a time period like 1989, uh, that wasn't necessarily that. It was kind of commonplace because things were booked in a whole different manner as far as, like, getting a crowd behind uh, every match. You don't see that uh, necessarily. You see a lot of the fans fall asleep. I mean, obviously not now because you see a lot of people sitting on their hands falling asleep throughout uh, TV, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. But this is a perfect example. Different time period. People actually cared about the product a lot more, and bookers actually cared a lot more. It, it, It shows. But... Tully and Arn were pretty red hot at this moment, uh, coming from the uh, the NWA just a few months earlier. Uh, and Bretton and uh, Jim were pretty much, they were going to split up in a few months. I mean, they were going to win the titles back, but they would split up after that and uh, do uh, pretty short-lived singles runs before they end up getting back together. But I love this match. Go ahead. Yeah, I love this match as well. Uh, I loved everything about it. I agree with everything you guys said. Um, I really enjoyed Tony and uh, Tony Schiavone and Sutra in the body putting over how important the tag belts were in this match. Right. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, you know, Arne and Tully cutting off Anvil, trying to make that tag. I, old, I loved everything about it. Just like you guys said. And I also loved uh, Bobby Heenan's jacket. If I'm right, yes, that, that, the that glittery jacket. Yeah. Oh, I loved it, man. I loved it. it I want to like he. It always like, seemed like he really amped it up for like the big events, like like uh, made it like a. You forgot pay per views, like pay per views. He that's where he wore like the, the the brighter jackets and such. It, yeah. It's also. It's also so funny. Like during his segment with Gene Okerlund, he's like seething angry. And all you can focus on is his gay sparkling jacket. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love Bobby Heenan so much. I just, I love, yeah. there's, a, there's a reason why he's, like, one of the best, you know, oh, uh, yeah, of God. all time. Because it's, it still lingers, oh. you know. His personality still lingers. You can go back and watch videos on YouTube of just him interviews or hosting primetime wrestling and such like that. And you'll just sit there and crack up with the, the back and forth between him and Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love it. I, lo- yeah. I, I love all of it. Um, well, and I, the finish, the double act angle for a finish, that was insane. I, it was simple. And it looked pretty rowdy. It looked rough, but believable. Right. And uh, I enjoyed it. And plus, it was an illegal move. Wasn't an illegal move. They put over on commentary that uh, an illegal man made the pitch. So a left, right. One of the things that I liked most about the the introduction of this match is like Tony and Arn didn't have entrance music. Not, you know, that was uh, not every team had entrance music, you know, at that time, or or, but they were getting towards a period where everybody did, but they still didn't, and they came out. They never had it until until Arn went back to WCW. So it's kind of cool just them walking out with no entrance music and just the a massive boos and jeers yeah. from the crowd. It's, it's cool. fun. One question I had for you, Rick. I, I yes. had three. Okay. When, at this time in 89, mm-hmm. uh, how 
deal was it for you to see Arn and Holly in a WWF ring? What was that like? I, I was I was only five years old. Uh, I was completely shocked when they showed up, you know. And but at the same time, I was just like, obviously, you know, the horsemen split up when they left the uh, NWA. They came here. I thought this was like amazing that they were coming in there, and I I absolutely loved it because it was, they were they get to sit there and take care of business with a whole different group of professional wrestlers. You know what I mean? They they got to they got to kick the shit out of you know guys like Sam Houston and stuff. That's all. Right. I just wanna. I loved it. Love. Right on. Um, after that, we have a Dusty promo with Dusty in a cop hat. I know Dusty wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, he got everything over, man. Uh, you know, I know that's one of your favorite wrestlers. People make fun of those polka dots, but I'm going to tell you, he made those polka dots look good. He did not care, I don't think. He, he definitely <laughs> made the most of it. Yeah. I think that they told him, you know, we're going to give you the polka dots. He said, fuck it. I'm going out there. You know what I mean? I'm not going to... I know you're trying to make a joke of me, but I'm going out there and I'm going to make the best of it. And guess what? He did. And he got it over. The fans, you know, he was Dusty Rhodes. There was no way you were going to ever turn your back on Dusty Rhodes as a fan. My opinion, personal opinion. It, it's always... It's unfortunate because I was watching this promo and I'm just like, God damn. Like, not a single promo nowadays would ever come even close to what this promo is. Like... It's just you don't have that many talkers in the business like this nowadays. He's one of the greatest, right? And, yeah. And, and doing that, yeah. He had me in it. Yeah. I, he caught my attention. Like, yeah. The thing with this one is I don't even remember this match at all, like airing in uh, uh, SummerSlam 89. I completely thought that this was apparently the match from SummerSlam 90 where he ended up uh, – what the hell with that? What, who did he fight in SummerSlam 90? Was it Ted DiBiase? Dan, you would know. No, I think it was Macho Man. Or Macho Man. Okay. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because Sapphire was supposed to, to, to take on uh, the other one. Yeah, she uh, went, went missing. Yeah, yeah missing. missing. She took that that money. <laughs> right. I don't remember. I, I, I apparently mixed up the uh, the matches. But so I don't really remember this match. And Well... I don't think this match was made to be memorable in the first place. I mean, honestly, if they would have, like, I don't know. I mean, if they would have, like, thawed this app, like, if it wasn't so long, it probably would have been okay. But, you know, the Sweet. ending was so predictable, you know. It's just like a star shot to the head. Well, I think the best part, I think the best part of this match was, you know, Dusty telling uh, Jimmy Hart to shut up, and then Jimmy just takes the megaphone. And he's like, "Oh, you shut up, baby." <laughs> <laughs> this is um, this is a weird period for 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 Honky Tonk Man. I think he, he had uh, it been a year since he lit, uh, lost the Intercontinental Title. He just seemed to be lingering uh, in yeah. a way, you know what I mean? Not necessarily just kind of like. He seemed to be doing a lot of jobs or whatever. He wasn't, like, getting to push at all. And this just seemed to be, like, a random match. And I, I can't believe it actually went almost 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think if this match would have been shaved some time off, I, I mean, if some of this time would have been shaved off, I think it could have been a little bit better. Probably would have right. saved 
time for maybe more minutes for some of the other matches. Um, but other than that, I, I think this was just a filler. Um, yeah, but I love Honky Tonk music. As soon as I heard Honky Tonk music, I was on it. You know, I dug it. And, that's, and always Dustin, a song I, that's always yeah. a song I could sing along with, though, JJ, the Honky Tonk's music. Well, I can't think of the lyrics right now. It'll come to me, but yeah, just in a pink Cadillac, whatever, Honky Tonk's music excited me as a kid. But then hearing Dusty's theme excited me as a kid. Uh, I loved it. And then on, on the back of uh, Honky Tonk's uh, song, said Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I'm like, man, this is great. This is great. And again, it wasn't the greatest match, all right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be picky here. But the ending with, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the promo, there was uh, Sean Mooney interviewing Honky Tonk. And Honky Tonk had that, he was selling him, man. He had that daze and look in his eyes and... He thought uh, Jimmy Hart was Priscilla, and he was like, I'm looking for stage, man. <laughs> I loved it. Made me laugh. It was priceless. And I, and I do love the, the, the Honky Tonk gimmick. Maybe. Yeah, I thought it was a great gimmick. I, I mean, sorry, JJ, were you? Go ahead. Yeah. No, no uh, go okay. ahead. I'm done. I'm done. I don't know if I'm just a, a golden age mark. But, you know, I love this match for the sole reason that you had Honky Tonk Man versus Dusty Rhodes. Those are two larger-than-life people. And when you see them in the ring together, they can only create nothing but magic. No matter kind of what, no matter what the match quality is. You say that Dusty Rhodes was larger-than-life just by being himself, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whether he's yeah. in NWA, just wearing plain black trunks, being the common man. Or going to WWF and putting on polka dots or whatever. He was just, he was, that was his persona. Yeah. That was his personality. You know what? You, you really got to think about it. And this, you know, you got to really think about this too. I mean, this was such, you know, the golden era, you know, back in the day, you know, a lot. Back in the day, you had fans who would hype up anybody. You know, the crowds were, you know, too much uh, ovations, you know, and, uh, I think everybody was over in their own way back in the day, just because it was such a different time period, not right. just because it was golden era. I mean, nowadays you see somebody like I don't know, like a well, tag team like the Street Profits or somebody like you know somebody who's you know there. people aren't really familiar with. Thank and, you, thank you. Wait, are you telling me? Is he saying that he likes him? Is that what you're saying? No, you're listen, I'm not show, in dude. favor. I am not in favor. Put <laughs> words in my off. mouth. I am not in favor. I'm just saying. I'm just making comparisons between. Right. You, know, you can't compare a team now. like. Uh, you can't compare a team like Dusty and Arn. I mean, excuse me, Dusty and. Wait, hold up. Tully and Arn to a team like Street Profits. They're two completely levels. Nowadays, it's all a joke. It's all guys goofing. And back then, guys like Dusty and Arn, uh, I said it again. Tully and Arn were serious, serious ass kickers. And they, you know, they'd find a piece of your body and then they'd work on it. Whether they were ripping your arm off, ripping your leg off, and work the fucking neck for 10, 15 minutes. It's a completely different business than it was. See, when we were kids or. When I was a kid, at least you yeah. guys probably weren't even thought of. <laughs> I think you would. I remember this. Yeah, so, I this event. like I do. When I was watching this event and the the, the packages, I remember mm-hmm. this. 
as yeah. it happened. And oh, it just it brought me back to my grandparents watching it on VH. Yeah. And and that big piece, that old school piece. So, so I remember. Talking- I remember you saying the golden era. The golden era. Uh, sorry. Anyways, anybody else have anything to add to this part? Well, I, I, I think another thing too was you know, you know, the access back then. People looked at wrestlers back in the day as like celebrities. Nowadays, you know, wrestlers are able to communicate with them with ease. You know, with all the social media. I, I have something to add. Street Profits can kiss my ass. <laughs> yes. There is, um, here, here's the thing. Tully and Arn, they have in-ring psychology. That is something that is few and that's far between nowadays. very lost in, in, the, in the, I mean, I'm not even a wrestler, but, or, you know, whatever, but I know that. You know what I mean? A lot of it's it's lost. The, the, the guys that are going out there today are not telling the same kind of stories <clears throat> that Tony and Arn and the Brett and Nightheart or Dusty or whatever. They're not telling the same kind of stories that, that you know, we were getting back then. Oh, you know what? Speaking of stories, let me talk about the next match. So, you had the rest Hold up. Uh, Red Rooster taking out Mr. Burp. Yes. So oh, God. And, um, Hold up. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, Mr. Mr. DVD freak. I've got, <laughs> I've got something to say about this, but Dan, tell the story. I know what your story is. Tell me. All right. So listen, there was rumor and innuendo that Taylor, uh, Terry Taylor was supposed to have the uh, the Mr. Perfect gimmick. Um, he was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, yes. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. Uh but I was probably laughing throughout the whole duration of this match just by, you know, <laughs> like taking his head like this. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Talk about living, living up to the gimmick. But I think this match was supposed to go on a little bit longer. I um, It was three minutes and 21 seconds. But here's the thing, though. Like, did Red Rooster actually get, you know, hurt? Because... I heard he was legitimately hurt in this match. That's why that Really? So wait, you're what? telling me Red Rooster was hurt and that's why they went home fast? What spot did he get hurt? Yeah. Um, you went out, you went out I'm not sure what spot, but I know, you know, he was like limping throughout the duration of the match, and then they took the action outside, they brought it inside, oh. and then perfect, the perfect place like that. It was only like well, I love I love how Kurt Henning was just mocking him the entire time. Yeah, like he he was clucking like <laughs> he was clucking. <laughs> oh, and something else I would, and something else I could recall from this match. Ventura was uh, Ventura claims that um, Perfect was the first person to ever hit a standing drop kick. I don't know that's, how true that is. No, 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 no. I think no, 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 no. That's not how it was because I remember no. this because uh, he said that he was, meaning Jesse the uh, okay. So he was basically, mm-hmm. you know, joking yeah, around, putting himself true. over. That's what I. One of the things <laughs> that obviously Dan told the story about the uh, who was supposed to get which gimmick because it was a toss up between him, the two guys as to who was supposed to get which gimmick and. 
the rumor was basically Vince flipped the coin. Not in those, not exactly, but wow. Uh, Really but Terry Taylor was like white hot in the UWF in 1987. Came over to, you know, did a stint in Texas and then came over to WWF in, was it late 1988, early 1989? He wrestled under the name Terry Taylor for like, what, a few months? And then he got stuck with this stupid fucking gimmick. Legit, he is one of the most underrated, probably. One of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, and he got stuck with this stupid gimmick, and it ruined his entire career for the rest yeah. of his oh. entire career. Now, Rick, here's a question uh, for you, friend. You say that, you know, obviously later when Terry Taylor went on to WCW, do you think his uh, Taylor Man was somewhat of a spinoff perfect character? I, I, I think that it, oh, you know what? That's not a bad idea to think about. That, that could be something like that. You know, they probably, but one of the things is that for the three of you, if you've never seen it before, go check out his series with Arn Anderson in 1990 when he leaves and goes back to WCW. They did a trio of matches on the NWA Pro Wrestling, maybe, or something like that. And it was for the television title. Arn was the television champion. Three weeks in a row, they wrestled each other to a 10-minute time limit set in the third match was Ric Flair interrupt, interrupted it and then they never went anywhere else with it. Those three matches were phenomenal matches, just showing that he had phenomenal matches outside of WWF. He was just used as like a basic basic mid-carder with a gimmick in WWF. What year was that? Like, I'm writing it down. Like, 1990. 1990. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I because it, it would be um, I think it would be December or November when uh, the the Horsemen reunited. Was that is that correct? Or I think it was like well, late eighty nine. Probably like around eighty nine ninety. Because, because I remember wasn't that, wasn't that Italian, around the time Rick Flair came back as Black Scorpion. Tully and Arn returned to the NWA. Their well, their last match is at Survivor Series of eighty nine. So. Shortly after that, they showed up at the NWA TV tapings, and and and, and uh, Survivor Series took place on Thanksgiving every year back then. So, yeah, there's a few promos throughout the night that they're yeah. promoting uh, Survivor Series. Uh, and then all the shows were once every four months. The the big shows were every four months so back then, as opposed to every month. Yeah, I was. Anyways, this match this match could have been way better than it actually was. Yeah. They also, they also didn't have horror shows back then. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even need to call it a horror show. It's pretty much a fucking horror show without. Pretty self, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, every Monday and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like if you have a shit show, that's like a compliment to me. Like a shit show, they fucking hate shit show. That's a compliment to me. It's every week I, we have a shit show here. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I cheers to that. <laughs> Hell yeah, cheers. With my little chalice. There we go. Yeah. Damn, what I, are you drinking? You're not drinking. Do you realize that? Do you realize that Dan's the only one every week? I gotta keep the show stable. Wait till we do it in person one day. Oh, oh my God. I get to see you bring it out like a bottle. Like, here, Dan, have a drink. It's on me. Dan, I got some wine. I poured you some wine. Here we go. 
Well, I like that cup because that's my favorite franchise of all time. So kudos to you, my friend. Right, so the next match I really enjoyed the uh, six man tag, the Rougeos, another great tag team, teamed with Rick Martel and um, took on the Rockers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and Tito Santana, I'm just laughing at the Rockers because Marty Gennetti's been making the news as of late. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Again? For what? But, uh, you didn't, you didn't hear about this? AJ, you didn't hear about that? Earlier in the week, he, earlier in the week that it came out, uh, he went on a Facebook rant saying that he supposedly murdered somebody. Uh, okay, uh, but here's, yes. here's the thing, though. He said this is the first man I've ever made disappear. That That's means the there's more thing. than yes. one. Yes, <laughs> but he said it was a guy okay. that he was trying to... He, he said it was a guy behind a bowling alley or something like that trying to sell him weed, tried to get him and touch him, and then he made that guy disappear. Uh, that's all he said. Now apparently the police are involved. I have no fucking clue okay. uh, if it's. I, oh. And then he tried to re- he tried to rescind his uh, comments. But, uh, it's, <laughs> no, it's out there. He, yeah, it's, it's just like. Okay. And then he uh, was like, "They should have checked uh, the river." Yeah. <laughs> Okay. He's sitting Look, down there for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not defending him. I'm not defending Marty Teddy in any way. However, he has a history of serious drug abuse. Okay. Yes. And I'm not yes, just saying absolutely. weed. I'm saying cocaine, alcohol, yes. and yes. a lot. And God knows what else. Okay. That stuff fucks with your brain in the way you think. Now, without giving too much away, I've done my share of partying, and I'm screwed, all right? I'm not going to lie. I am fucked. Not too fucked, but Marty said he has proven over the past couple years. He's got some mental problems. He needs help, all right? He seriously needs help. And now, whether I believe Marty Gennetti makes him no, I don't believe that. Well, who knows? Who knows? But I mean, I don't think that. I think he's just battling... Well, the thing is, have you watched any of his shoot interviews? Like, if you've, yeah, I watched one of his shoot interviews recently, talking about his uh, his drug abuse. But yes, he's definitely. It's apparent he's uh, he he can't even talk straight, even when he's sober these days. If he well, is sober, you know what? I'm not sure if I guys. I don't know if I ever told you guys the story of uh, how I met Marty Kennedy a couple of years back. Oh uh, boy, he was he was the last guy I met. First of all, I'm pissed because if he's not at that after party, I'll, you know, that was my 15 oh, seconds. No, this, of- wait, you're talking about this uh, this September? Yeah, I, I know it got The whole event is canceled. Yeah, the whole oh, event is canceled. Uh, uh, it's postponed. I'm sorry. They're going to be announcing, re-announce, re-announcing guests uh, coming up, so we'll see. Yeah, they have to check the river first. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt he's not going to be. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Anyway, I'm pissed off about that. But secondly, Marty Gennetti was like the last guy I met. Because I wasn't going to meet Greg Colley. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and um, before me, there was like a little kid right in front of me getting his autograph. And he's signing it. And then he's like distracted by whoever the fuck was talking next to him. And then he gives the kid the marker. And he's like, here, you want to write your name? And I'm like, why do you want to do that? What? <laughs> yeah. 
when he was trying to personalize it, he was like, here, write your name. And I'm like, you don't do that. I'm like, he better not do that shit with me. Yeah, that'll be 20 bucks. (laughs) Write my name. Give me 20 bucks. Be careful with high spots. They charge an extra $5 for personalization. (laughs) That might have been how much he charged me. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a really... I thought this was a really fun match. I mean, the amount of talent that is in this ring at this time, the six guys. I know Tito was on his way down the slopes. You know what I mean? <clears throat> he's always that perfect mid-carder, always went in, did whatever he needed to do, you know, whatever Vince asked him to do. If he needed a tag team wrestler, Tito was there, and then he'd win the, you know, the tag titles, and then, you get what I'm saying, guys? So Tito was always that guy. So, and then, you know, he spent another couple years here jobbing. That's basically what it was. He was just, he lost to the upper mid-card as far as, like, uh, you know, guys that were coming in being pushed and stuff like that. But he was a fantastic worker on top of it. But this match, I, I absolutely thought it was a great match, man. I really did think it was great. Well, it's not even less than a minute before Jesse Ventura calls fucking Tito Chico. Chico. <laughs> it's the title of his book, Don't Call Me Chico. <laughs> um, this was a very fast-paced match. Um, definitely a fast-paced match. And, you know, the hot tag that was received by Shawn Michaels, you know, mm-hmm. obviously you saw how big of a star the, he was going to become within the next couple of years. He takes the fall here, right? The pin? Yeah. Correctly? Yeah. That's before his, uh, he got too arrogant to, to, you know, get any pull, I guess, not take the, the pin. I, it, it is very clear in this match how he was going to be the star. And for that reason, I always kind of felt bad for Marty Jannetty because I was a, I, I don't know, I'm kind of a fan of his. I think he has, I'm, he definitely has, he has talent. There is talent I, there. I'm a, definitely a fan of Marty Jannetty's. And if you ever see the matches him and Shawn Michaels put on together against each other, they're feuding over the Intercontinental Belt and, and the breakup and stuff like that. I thought it was a great series. I thought it was a really intense matches. I thought Marty Jannetty can hold his own in the ring with, uh, with Shawn Michaels. So, I mean, I'll tell you what, if I had that much talent and the guy next to me, my tag team partner, the person I rode with, became Shawn Michaels, I'd probably have a drug problem, too. So I always felt bad for the guy. I, I have. I get yeah. you. <laughs> like, That's a good well, way to put it. <laughs> well, I'll take it like this. You could either be jealous or you could carve out your own niche. And, you know, and... Mar- like you said, Marty said he was very, very talented. He, I don't know, but that's that's sad, you know. And but we are our own worst enemy. So, but he obviously has a problem. Go get help. But well, yeah. he's definitely not a fan of glass windows. No. Yeah, no. I remember watching that live. That break Same up, here, buddy. Me, yeah. my parents, and my sister. Oh man, I remember my sister was like, "Why is he doing that?" And I was, I was loving it. I was, my sister's, what, five years older than I am? I was maybe seven so or eight. So you all watched, um, back in the day, you all watched, like, superstars and stuff back in the day? Uh, uh, my sister and I would watch it in the morning, and anything that would happen on TV at night, uh, it would be a family thing. Like, all four. It always, aired at, it always aired at 10 a.m. here when I was done watching my Saturday morning cartoons. I'd always switch over to that. That was the most important hour of my week between 
yeah. Saturday mornings, and then watching WWF uh, Wrestling Challenge on Sundays. Two most important. Then they'd show, you know, some recaps on primetime on Mondays. Right? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I miss the days when WWE or WWF was the most important time of my week. Yes. I miss those Same days. Here. Same here. I haven't, really watched, no... I haven't watched a full Raw and SmackDown since, like, 2010. Uh, there's... I usually go about two, three months before I reattempt to try to watch it again. And at that time period, I usually get about a half hour or so into it before I say, fuck this. Um, I just can't do it. You know, the thing is that they have an amazing roster. You know what I mean? There's so many great and talented people on that roster. It's the freaking storytelling or the lack thereof storytelling that is just fucking horrific. I just, I can't deal with it. I'm too old to be dealing with crap. This is why I watch, you know, the most important hour of my week is when it's on. When it's, you know, when they're working is the NWA, but right now they're not doing anything. So Well, Rick, you know, if you recall the interview that you and me did with Boldred, I mean, obviously Boldred put it best, you know. Back in the day, you know, WWE would have these storylines that would last for months and months. Nowadays, exactly. storylines exactly. that would only last weeks. They usually last from the Monday after a pay-per-view up until the next pay-per-view, and then they restart on a whole nother, whole nother thing. The only company I really see doing that nowadays is like Impact, and sometimes you know AEW does that as well, but yeah. not as uh, not as much. They do quarterly pay-per-view. Yes, um, so. New Japan has some really long-lasting storylines. <laughs> yes, well, completely different really? company. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they go Good. years with their storylines. Yeah, yes. like yeah, so you, know, you could. You can judge all you want, but Okada Omega was a great storyline. Yeah. That was such a slow burn. Yes. And it, it paid the fuck off. It was great. That fourth and final match, that was the perfect climax. Right. And he's another one that today, by today, Okada is like one of the greatest in the world at this present time. Like that guy is way up there. You know what I mean? I, I think, like, um, I, I mean, I know one week we. We're talking about Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. I know Alvarez. He says the greatest of all nice. time is Okada. So, so I mean, I, I don't not, necessarily agree, but I'd say he's one of the best now. I, I always say Ric Flair is the greatest of all Ric time. Ric Flair is the greatest. I think we've discussed that. He might not be our personal favorites. Um, yeah. He's definitely, yep. he's definitely on the list, and he's put on some of the greatest matches. But Flair is the greatest of all time. You know what I mean? They yeah. definitely, you know, there was always... I was always interested in watching a Ric Flair match, no matter what, whether I was a fan of his or not. But I still think he's the greatest of all time. And um, <clears throat> speaking of, I recently rewatched his match with Shawn Michaels not so long ago from WrestleMania, whatever the fuck, his retirement match. Tony match. Thank you. You walking encyclopedia here. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Sorry. When, no, you're, no, thank you. Now, they re- recently aired it on uh, FS1 or something, you know, as part of that best of series they've been doing because whatever. Um, when I originally watched that match on the paper, I didn't think it was that great of a match. But I mean, you know, Flair was what, 70 or something like that or whatever, 60 something, and he was retiring. I recently watched it. I think the first time I watched it, I had the expectations were too high for myself. 
I recently watched it again, and I thought that I was like, holy shit, it's actually a tremendous fucking match to watch. Um, There just should have been some blood involved. Well, I mean, this was a few months before they banned blading in WWE, because July of 2008 is when they banned it, after Mm -hmm. the Great American Bash match against Chris Jericho and... Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels. That was the last, great, uh, the Great American Bash. That was the last match where they allowed blading. So, is this, is this match is that old? Like I'm going back that far, 2008. Yeah, yeah March March oh, 30th, crap. 2008 was Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. I didn't and even know if I realized that. the way I watched this match a couple days ago. What a weird! That's so weird. Mm. Uh, I'm it's sorry. a tremendous match. Like I said. I wasn't, when I first went into it, when it aired originally, I couldn't get behind it for whatever reason, but watched it a few weeks back, and I was like, holy shit, that was actually a really good match. It's very emotional as well, to watch a yeah. player like that. The way I look at it, this is the best match that <clears throat> a 59-year-old Ric Flair could have put on. Yeah. I mean, he's 59 years old at the time, in 2008. So, for being 59, I think this was very impressive. And one of the uh, the other thing all of uh, throughout that match before we get back on track is that he actually finally landed uh, the maneuver off the uh, top rope uh, after, <laughs> after after thirty years of being, being was that a was, was a cross that a body <laughs> yeah flying cross body yeah because yeah. I I got to tell you I totally forgot about that and I you know just watched sitting there watching and I kind of popped watching that I was like oh shit he finally landed that. <laughs> <laughs> After 20, 30 years of trying. <laughs> Sorry. The um the Intercontinental title. This um of this course is good is the network edition. This was a pretty decent match. Uh I have to say Rick Rude pretty much saved it. And I can't believe yeah. the Ultimate Warrior was actually able to go for sixteen minutes. Really? This I mean he wrestles two minute match. But Rick Rude pretty much saved the the I mean he comes out to the network edition music again, and it's kind of crappy, but still saves. In 88, he wrestled, was a junkyard dog, put on a pretty decent match. This match, he's a whole tier tire, a tier higher on the card. He comes in as the Intercontinental Champion in this match, and, you know, I just, I really thought this match was actually really well done, and the crowd was nuts for the entire time as well. I'll be honest here. I, I think you know, the, the crowd was insane, and it was never dull once right. uh, Warrior won the Intercontinental Championship. But I'll say this, besides the match that, that Warrior had with Hogan at WrestleMania six, this was probably the best match of Ultimate Warrior's career up to that point. I was, I was just going to say that. And he, you know what? I, I think it was a really good match, and... The rude rivalry did a lot for Warrior. Let's just, you know, just to be honest. One of the and I think if it wasn't for that match, I don't even think Warrior would have headlined WrestleMania six. You have a good point of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <clears throat> I think with the Warrior, it really depended on who he was actually in the ring with because he had, you know, they had to put him in there with somebody good to make him look good. You know what I mean? Like a rude or... Not to say Hogan's good, but he's not bad. I could go on. I can go on for an hour as to explaining why Hogan is actually good. It's his United States work that is just the shit. Yeah. Yeah. So if you watch it in Japan, 
and it's a whole nother level. Watch him versus Muda. You'll say a completely different story. But well, um, you had to put the warrior in there with somebody to make him look good. Rick Rude, a tremendous worker. You know, he could have headlined himself, been WWF champion. But here he is. He's doing a great job of making the warrior look like a fucking million bucks. I mean, I'll take this over the WrestleMania five match any day. Personally. Which one? Oh, yeah, that was a pretty decent match. But the WrestleMania five, some people seem to just be eh, on. But I like that match. I, I kind of thought it was awesome that Rick Rude won. And uh, something funny about the match when um, Rick Rude does his opening spiel with the whole, you know, fat and out of shape people. Jesse Ventura just telling Jesse, like, hey, he's talking about you, you know. <laughs> he's the winner of the Jesse Body the award, the Jesse the Body Award. Yeah, he he killed that. He used that thing for for uh, for years. The Jesse the Body Award to to Rick Blair. I mean Rick Rude. Jesus, we have so many bloopers in this episode. Continuing throughout, <laughs> I, just, I loved uh, everything. I loved the body on uh, the body on commentary. Killed it. That's in my notes. I remembered uh, that promo, that package that they played before the match with that muscle bar, and uh, I don't. Well, know he hits him across the face, that. right? Yeah, there was that. I remember uh, Rude had Warrior like in a. Poking him with it, I remember that as the happening. Yeah, and I was yeah. love it. I loved it. I always loved the crew. So. I thought that was a, the beginning of a great feud. I remember watching that, and if you watch that muscle bar, it looks like a really like because it's like bendable spring, like hard spring. It looks like it wraps around and catches him in the face. Like it's just holy shit. Yeah, I loved it, and watching it now, I love it. I, I always. Rick Rude's up there with one of my favorite wrestlers. I, I said that last time I talked about that. I always liked him, but it's and I remember the first time I ever thought I was like, holy shit, that guy's a great worker. I was watching him wrestle like uh, some jobber, 1989, 1990. It was like this certain thing. I was just like, you know, and that started about the time period where I started to get away from just liking faces just because they were faces. It just started to like yeah. who I liked because they were good wrestlers. So Rick Rick, uh, Rick Rude wrestling some jobber, and I was like, damn, that guy is a great wrestler. And changed the whole outlook on professional wrestling. I just started liking wrestlers because of their performance rate. And he was like the first guy I noticed that I liked for, because of that. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if that made sense to you guys. <laughs> yeah, I make sense. Yeah. After this, so, we had a perfect promo and then a Piper promo. Because the, at the ending of this match, Piper uh, showed, you know, he, he interfered. He remembered this. And he, he showed uh, his ass. Yeah, he showed him his ass. You know, and the Piper promo was great. Magnetic. What's a, Scots, what's a Scotsman wear under his, his kilt? What does, I don't know. His shoes. It's a Piper line. It's a Piper line. You guys don't remember Piper? I don't remember that. I thought that was a I thought that was a JJ Laffy Taffy joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm gonna have a Laffy Taffy joke in here. Just just wait. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's well, at least it wasn't a Snapple fact. 
I think Piper Piper used that line. I thought it was this show. You know, I'm getting some of the. I got some of this show confused with 1990, apparently. So maybe he used that the following year. But I always, uh, <clears throat> I always thought that was one of the greatest things he uh, he said. You know, in the uh, in this period, where JJ go? All right, I think he. Well. <laughs> I'm going to need one very soon. That's the gimmick. (laughs) That's great. One of the things that I want to mention, uh, actually, I wanted to start the show off with it, but I forgot. And, you know, I sent Dan and uh, DVD Freak the uh, rest in peace to Kamala, James Harris, uh, wrestling legend. Wrestling legend uh, died today. Um, You know, complications of uh, diabetes he's had. He. And both legs amputated a number of years ago. And, um, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. Very unfortunate. I found out uh, roughly 15 minutes before you called. My yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, sent, it was sent to me before uh, uh, before we went, well, a couple minutes before we called you guys. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one of those ones that wasn't surprising, but still, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, like the guy it's, was, it's worth was, mentioning. He was suffering for a number of years, you know, in pain, and so yeah, that's probably yeah. for the better. I hate to say, yeah. JJ, you yep. got your joke ready, or should we go with the next match? <laughs> oh, I'll pull it out when I have nothing good to say. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't. She said, "Nothing good to say." That's when I'm gonna tell a joke. All right, so Dan's favorite tag team, Demolition, <laughs> team up with Hacksaw Duggan. Actually, I'm sorry, King Duggan. Yeah. To take on uh, basically a hobbling Andre the Giant and the Twin Towers. How did Andre walk to the ring without a cane? I mean, seriously, he looked rough so, shape watching. You want to know what was ring. so? You want to know what was so funny about this? I think this was like one out of the many occasions that Andre the Giant walked out to theme music, and it was the. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably one of the very few times. And also, we saw uh, Jim Duggan with some face paint, which I'm not going to lie. When it comes to superstars and face paint, I'm kind of a sucker when it comes to, you know, face paint. Yeah, I agree. Uh, back then, back in the day, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was all the rage. I thought it was awesome. And, you know, I didn't really compare Demolition to the Road Warriors. Personal opinion, they were two different teams. You know, obviously, they were the face paint. I think that... They got compared for obvious reasons because of the face paint, but they, they weren't the only guys wearing face paint. There was many other guys in the territories wrestling with uh, face paint, but Demolition had a different style of work and probably yep. well, wouldn't the year we'd see the two teams clash. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, this match was really dear. nothing special. It's about seven minutes long, and, um, and yeah. he did dirty. The face is one with a dirty tactic. You know, you got dug in the end with the two by four. Yeah. One of the things with that Andre is like he ended up wrestling after he retired shortly after this, right? Uh, uh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, he probably retired on and off, but remember that uh, that last promo shot of Andre? Was that like 92? Like right before no. he died? Jeez, that's a really, really rough one to answer the time period. I'm trying to remember because I hear he let his hairstyle is completely different. Right. But he um he went from uh 
I think Demolition won the tag. Did we lose the Freak? I don't know. Freak, um... He's frozen and blurry, and I see a weird... Oh, he must have... I believe he muted. I believe okay. he muted, muted it. Okay. So, we'll it. That happened to um, us today. I love this shit. Uh, Demolition... Yeah. I mean, excuse me. Andre... I think Demolition, obviously, they're getting set to win the tag titles back from Tony and Arn. And I believe a few months is a few months down the road that Andre and Haku win them. That they yeah. Because okay, so and then uh-huh. uh, demolition yeah. won them at uh, WrestleMania six, right after yeah. Uh, demolition okay. was favorite uh-huh. tag team. And that's no. when um, that's when Andre turns face and retires. So yeah, yeah, so they end up winning the tag titles. Relatively, we lost them. Okay. Okay. Maybe he'll rejoin. <laughs> good. Join us yeah. again. Oh wait, I hear him. Yeah, are, are we good now? Sorry, I went down I for a beer. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't have the best reception here. It's all right. <laughs> all good. So yeah, demolition right. end up winning the tag team titles back at some point, and then shit, I forgot what like, I was talking. Andre and Haku, and then. I think that Andre it, retired shortly after that. What after WrestleMania six, right? Oh, was six. When did uh Andre Andre pass? What in ninety four? Ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't. Um, think, so I think that he yeah. was actually retired for about a good year or so. Maybe because uh, I know something happened where he showed up in the UWF show, and then yeah. mm-hmm. he ended up getting. I guess Vince got kind of pissed and then brought him back and then he ended up just retiring altogether and then he passed. Well, I think it was, uh, wasn't it the 91 SummerSlam that he accompanied the Bushwhackers? I believe so, yes. Oh, no. I can't remember that. I don't know. At that time, but he I, was already on crutches. Yeah, yes, he was. Oh. And he just never wanted help, uh, from what I heard. Um, one of the things is if you watch like that dark side of the ring on Andre, they say that uh, he was trying to get like the there was a doctor that could help him reverses uh, the issue that he has, and basically he refused it because he didn't want to. Uh, he felt like it his size was too important to his uh, career. Wasn't it basically? Wasn't it the same procedure Big Show went through? Dad, that, uh, that I'm not sure of. Yeah, I don't know. Not, it might have been, I believe, if Andre may, may have Summer had that. SummerSlam 91. SummerSlam 91, Dan. You were right. Yep. But if, if Andre case. had three, if when he was younger, would he have, would he, would he have been okay? I don't he know. Wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have, he, he, he felt like he, one of the things is that, if he had that surgery, he felt that his career would not have gone the way that it had uh, gone. And that's why he never had the surgery. Oh, I mean, medicine wasn't as advanced back then. Right. You know, Excuse me. So, <coughs> right. Teach her own. But on a, on a positive note, I did love... Uh, I, mean, you, I, I loved how um, acts and Smash were just laying it in on uh, Hakeem. It's believable. Uh, I, I, I just love Demolition. 
so I, I can see what I'm, in my opinion will, will be always biased with them. Really am, I, am I an idiot for saying that I did not mind the Akeem gimmick? I, like, I, I liked it when I'm I was a, a kid. I loved yeah. it. I'm a jazz. I'm a jazz. I, 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 I loved it. I obviously thought it was like so. So it's obviously a joke, you know. But it's like watching the one man gang come out dressed in blue and yellow, pretending to be an African man, doing the dance. It's pretty fucking funny. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was, it was entertaining for us fans, especially for yeah. me as a five year old kid. For me, you know, being five years old, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Freak, what do you got to say? You know, as you all know, I'm a huge Demolition fan. Pre-Crush era. But, um... Why does everybody hate Crush? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one that does No, I, no. I don't mind Crush, but you knew the team was over at that time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Andre the Giant, I think he died February 1st, 93. And the reason I remember that is because my birthday is February 1st. So uh, it was definitely like January like 18th or January 20th. Was it? Well, yeah. I remember February 1st is when the Hall of Fame was created and Andre was the first inductee. Inductee, yep. Oh. So I didn't know if, um, if he died the same day they created it or if he died January- before that. <laughs> January 27th, 1993. Okay. But, you know, it's sad seeing him in this state, but obviously he has a passion. So, you know, he still wants to work. Uh, It's not the attraction under the giant we've always seen, but it's at least cool to see him on a SummerSlam card. And, you know, I'm not too big of a fan of Demolition teaming up with Jim Duggan, but, you know, it is what it is. And it's still a decent match for what it is. Right. Right. Um, something I'll add here. I mean, it was definitely not the best match. I mean, this match was only like about seven minutes. But this was definitely the polar opposite of the other six-man tag that we had earlier. Obviously, that match was more fast-paced. This match was more of a big brawl. And obviously, big men, big bra, and obviously due to Andre's mobility by this time, you know, he couldn't really move as much. But for right. what it was, I mean, it was it was entertaining for what it was. All right. After this, All right. Match, let me oh. tell you, JJ, you introduced this, but I got something to say about this. All right. Well, we had a couple promos. We had a one promo, and then we had a million dollar man promo. Then we had Jimmy Garvin as an announcer for. Uh, hold up! Hold up! Bounce. Yeah, you said that wrong. You said that wrong. It's Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. Oh, Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> Jimmy Garvin. It's, I'm sorry. It's his. It's his dad. Right, man. That's yeah. That's sorry. okay. <laughs> uh, Ronnie Garvin ripping on uh, Greg Valentine when he was announcing Greg Valentine. Uh, and this match, Greg Valentine. Uh, wanting thoughts about that? Oh, Rick, go ahead. They only went about three minutes. Okay. But um, the feud between Greg Valentine and Ronnie Garvin, I absolutely loved. When they tried to bring in Ronnie Garvin in, you know, mind you, I was probably, this is 89, I was probably 14 at the time. So I'm kind of falling for all this stuff. I love that when they made him a referee, 
but it was great. And they made him as a special guest ring announcer, and then the way he was making fun of uh, Greg Valentine's robe, saying, you know, he's wearing, he wears a robe with cheap rhinestones, and, you know, as a 14-year-old kid, I sat there laughing my ass off watching this show. I absolutely loved it. It, it, it um, And then, obviously, you know, there's the brawl at the end, yada, yada, and then eventually he gets reinstated at some point, so... There wasn't nothing to write home about the match, you know, the Valentine versus uh, Hercules, but it uh, this is basically to get uh, basically the feud between um, Ron Garvin and Greg Valentine over, you know, this is basically the spot holder in a way, and and to me it worked. I like the I like the Garvin got dumped out of the ring and he got up and tried to kick the shit out of Valentine and all that shit. I don't what know. Do you guys I, just thought, I, I just thought this weird. I mean, I really don't think this match should have been on the pay-per-view card. And then you had Ronnie Garvin doing some ring announcing, which was kind of like, eh. Like, I just wasn't really a big fan on the match. Um, obviously, they went outside. They didn't do nothing on the outside. They go outside for fucking nothing in this case. And, you know, Hercules gets to win via disqualification. So... What was the point of adding this onto the pay-per-view? Yeah, like I said, I think it was just a way to get the the feud between Garvin and Valentine over. It, it was just a weird Keep finish. Keep it going. Yeah, it was a weird finish. Freak, you've been quiet. Sorry, I just tried to drink a beer with a closed, uh, with the top on top of it. But, um... <laughs> you had that much, huh? Yeah, I'm reaching that point. Um, this is Sunday night. This is Sunday night here. Dude, We're I wouldn't have it any other way. Love all you guys. But um, <laughs> love you, buddy. <laughs> love you, bro. Yeah, love yeah you. I'm on the I'm on the balcony with a good view of the beach, so having good times right now. So, uh, well, yeah. Find Marty's uh, suspect in the river. I'll go look <laughs> after this. Yeah, I'll go look. All right. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know what I find. <laughs> but you know, I'm not the biggest Hercules fan. I always think he kind of needed something a little extra in terms of, I guess, aesthetics. He just was kind of that average. I don't want to say jobber because I think he was better than a jobber. No, but... I think he was definitely. Uh, uh, you know, he's more of like. I think he was definitely more of a mid carder. I wouldn't say upper yeah. mid card. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I hate to cut you off, DVD freak, but. I always enjoyed his work. Uh, I remember him in world class, you know what I mean, and wrestling beforehand. And um, I, it's not that he was a tremendous worker, but his it would go what another year where he'd end up teaming with Paul Roma, and they ended up forming a very underrated tag team. And I thought the two of them would work really fucking well together. You know what I mean, Roma and, and Hercules, and I thought that they had some great matches. And I'm surprised they never got the titles, but go ahead. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think Hercules, he could have been something if they would have given him something more to work with. And Greg Valentine, uh, I kind of think Greg Valentine's very underrated because you don't really hear his name very often. And, I think you're right. Yeah, this is oh. kind of your uh, yeah. kind of your decent exhibition match. I think from what uh, it is. You're, right. you're right about Greg Valentine. But the um, one of the things with him is his career is pretty much on a down downturn at this point he's too he's getting older 
he's been around for at least 15, almost 20 years at this point. So he's, he's kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say getting close to retirement, obviously, because he wrestled for a number of years in WCW after this. But you, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, he's kind of, his career's on a downturn. You know what I mean? So yeah. he, he's pretty much just the mid car. The he's not in the interesting feuds. He's just kind of there for the television, kind of a thing. You get what I'm saying, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh. The lights off. Do you want my opinion on this match? Yeah, I don't think I've heard your opinion yet. When are riptides the most dangerous? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> we got that level with this match, huh? <laughs> All right, honestly, guys. I think honestly, I think every time a bad match comes into play, JJ, you should just pull out the laffy taffy and just be like, "Yeah, I just love this deck." I think no that's problem. a given. This chair's going back too far. But uh. <laughs> Going on to the next uh, match, guys, we have uh, Jimmy Snuka taking on Ted DiBiase. Now, like you said before, Rick, you know, somebody like Hercules Hernandez was already in the business like 15, 20 years by this point and was really starting to, yeah. you know, no, find. No, no. Greg, Greg Valentine. Or oh, Greg Valentine, yes, sorry. Yeah. But um, I guess you can say the same for Jimmy Snuka at this point. You know, Jimmy Snuka Absolutely. was pretty in the game. He and, was pretty um, much, uh, I think it was pretty much a given. That he was brought back just to put younger talent over, or you know, guys, you know, and it and it shows in a lot of his matches when he comes back. And uh, we come back shortly after WrestleMania, right? Because I remember he came back at WrestleMania, and then uh, pretty much like I said, he just only won matches against like other jobbers, kind of. I'm sorry, enhancement talent. Well, <laughs> so, what a what a wrestler! To, to absolutely. Jimmy Snooker. And yeah. you're he's putting over whew, come on man. Even yeah. though yes, his career, even though he's a little on a on a slide, but come on man, you're beating Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker's putting you over. You're made. And oh, Teddy Biasi at this time Teddy Biasi at this time was pretty much on fire. Like his his career. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was in some of the greatest storylines at this starting what a year prior. Uh you know, they were really gearing him up for something big, and then I guess it didn't really happen. Politics happened, so. It's a damn yeah, this is a shitty oh, counter win. Ooh, that's a damn I'm sorry. It's a damn shame. That, I went on that rant last week. Damn shame. Ted DiBiase never won the title, had a run with it. Damn shame. You're right. Absolutely. Bruce never had that run. And it's a damn shame that Mr. Perfect never had that run with the title. But I'm going to tell you that at that time period in the WWF, it was only babyfaces. Vince would only put the the the, the uh, belt on the babyfaces. He did not want, you know, the main title on heels until what? Who was it? Uh, Yokozuna? Was it? The first heel in fucking decades, pretty much. I, I mean, when Savage Savage turned heel when he had the when he had the belt. It only held the belt for like what a month or two, something like that before he ended up yeah. before he ended up losing it. The uh, Hulk at what WrestleMania five? WrestleMania five, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that time period, but like Ted DiBiase, I think out of all the guys that you mentioned, JD, between Perfect and, and I think Ted DiBiase could 
could have held that belt and could have been a serious content, like a serious uh, WWF champion. Well, actually, that guy had, that guy had you. all of it. I well, agree. With you. But like you know, a heel champion, you, you really got to look at Sergeant Slaughter in '91. That actually, you know what? You're right. You're right. Oh, I yeah. tried to remember, but you're right. You're right. It, it was it was uh, before you because you're absolutely right. I couldn't. Uh, I was trying to think, and I, I named the wrong guy. But thank you. That was it. Right. Really memorable. I didn't, I didn't like it, but then again, I was you know, I was only eight years old at the time. And of course, I wanted. Hey, I remember. I remember. I think I mentioned this uh, in one of the previous episodes when Sergeant Slaughter came in as a heel with a Iraqi sympathizer. I'm one of the very few that absolutely loved him. Thought it was one of the greatest gimmicks, like at that time period, because it was completely different and unexpected. Guy that was America's hero coming yeah. in, turning his back on the whole country. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, it was I a mean, money maker. That's another thing. It's a money maker. Could you could you imagine the vignettes of Ted DiBiase as WWF champion? Like yes. just the vignettes uh-huh. alone, like. Dude, they gold he, was, oh. he was he was gold. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when he was signed to WWF, didn't Vince basically give him like a contract to actually live out the character? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pretty yeah, much. they had him. They had him fly first class. They had limos meet him wherever he wanted. Like they literally wanted to go full on gimmick. Like they paid. They invested a lot for this gimmick. They say that uh, the Million Dollar Man gimmick was supposed to be like a, a uh, how do you say it, like a spinoff of like Vince. Yeah, it was supposed to be basically yeah. based based on Vince McMahon. So he I was mean, a wrestler. I heard that on yeah. Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised really. So great the other podcast. Thing, there's what's that. Great podcast. I love Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Yeah, that's good. Bruce Pritchard, uh, I think, goes after Vince's ding dong a little too much, though. He says yes too many times. So, well, um, sorry. Well, well, the the podcast was better before he resigned with WWE. Oh, okay. So yeah, a little bit of the truth. Not be like you know, Vince would give me so much money, and then I'd say yes to everything. So. Well, you know what? I like this podcast better, so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. We're just four drunken buffoons on a Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, three well, out of four. I'm sorry. Three. Dan's yeah. got yeah. to be the stable. Yeah. yeah. I got to keep it going. How about, okay? <laughs> how about we're four lovable jerks doing a podcast? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so the, the main event I thought was uh, we got a movie character coming out of the movie. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, I'll yeah. tell you what. No, what Vince thought about this? It's uh, Zeus, the character from the movie. Did they ever explain? Now I don't remember if they ever explained how the um, character itself, Zeus, Tiny Lister, came from the fucking movie into the real world. Or well, it's. My my thing is maybe it's the ring where he just came out of the TV, but huh. okay. I have um, my biggest pet peeve of all time for wrestling is when you involve celebrities. Yes, that's my all time biggest pet peeve. So to me, yes. this is just kind of a wasted main event. I think that the thing with uh, 
tiny tiny lister. He did have matches outside of WWF afterwards, so at least there's that. It's not like, you know, Pete Rose had matches in fucking Puerto Rico or wherever, or you get what I'm saying here? Like, Zeus actually attempted uh, a little bit, like, only slightly. He only had several other matches, not, like, a ton. But... So anyways, you know uh, the, the, the finish to this match... You know, you had the fucking loaded purse of doom, and you had fucking, what was it? Fucking beefcake laying out Savage with the purse. You know, a lot a lot of these matches tonight, you consisted of a lot of faces doing heel tantics. Well, you know, sometimes they get what they deserve after doing all this shit for so long. But one of the things about this match is during the introductions, they actually pause the crowd and say, hey, there's somebody else, and... They introduced Miss Elizabeth, who had been gone for a number of months. And that yeah, got a huh. gigantic, gigantic pop. Yeah. In the crowd. One thing, I'm sorry, guys. I meant to mention this, and we've been going almost an hour, an hour now. I forgot to mention this during the fucking third match. So I, I thought of it, and then we were gabbing. But the Mr. Perfect Terry Taylor match, you realize when Mr. Perfect pins Terry Taylor, the fucking crowd goes nuts for him? As if he was a baby face. Yep. I don't know if anybody else ever. Caught, I don't know if anybody else caught that. Because uh, yeah. I was watching, I was like, I thought that was so out of place. Uh, well, I think at I the time, to... I think at the time, nobody really knew what Mister Perfect was because he didn't really have his ring music yet. He, you know, by the time they announced him, he was already in the Some ring. Some of the greatest ring music ever, though. That's the yeah, other yeah. That, that is. And you know what? Me, me and uh, me and uh, DVD three were ranting about that on our uh, Royal Rumble review. Uh, like how over Mr. Perfect could have been when he came back. I mentioned and, this um, to, Dan, to Dan earlier. Uh, uh, that episode has got the second most listened out of all the episodes, just for the record. And the most listened episode is the first appearance by the DVD freak. Uh, there so, you go. Just for the record. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, that, that was a fun episode, what me and it Dan was. did. Was that the uh, one I that keep, I, yeah. Oh, well, that really too. But the first, yeah, and the first one, the first one was fun too. I mean, that's what started it all for me. Was that the night I was ridiculously drunk on hundred proof whiskey? It was at the following week. Oh, uh, well, that was yeah, that was, that, was that, that night. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was that. <laughs> well, dude, we all flicked that night, and Freak and I talked about that for our first night. All four of us tossed We clicked and flowed. Yeah, I'm I'll tell you what, that. we got a pretty awesome group here. You know, I I'm very humble here. You know, it's it's my honor to be a part of this. So, so Beefcake and Hogan beat uh, Savage and Zeus. Uh, it's a pretty ridiculous match. <laughs> it went 15 minutes long. Yeah. And the fact that the match actually went that long, it's like you know, I understand. You know, this is something that DVD brought up. Uh, DVD Freak brought up last week, you know, this was the main attraction. This was something that was going to draw the money and put people's asses in seats. But, obviously, you know, throughout the whole duration of the card, there's always going to be that one match that stands out that people didn't pay to see. Right. I I think that's... I think... I think... I feel like the opener was the best match of the night. So... That's... Yep. I agree with you. That's what I said earlier. Yep. And then this would be the box office attraction. 
Right. I don't know. For me, it would either have to be the opener or the the Warrior Rude match. I thought the Warrior Rude was very good, uh, but I'd have to go with the opener. Um, only because I don't know if it's because I'm a huge Tony and Arn fan, but I just think you know. I don't know, man. That match was like perfect tag team wrestling. That entire match, you know, for the the whole fifteen minutes or so that it went. We all agree that that was the best match, the first match. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. It's it's in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) The notes don't lie. (laughs) No, no, they don't. The notes don't lie. My hips don't lie either. If you know that song by Shakira. Oh God! By who? By who? Shakira. She sings that. My hips don't lie. I you know? must be. Too, I must be too old for that shit because I don't well, know what the fuck you're saying. Out, it came out in like oh, <laughs> so I guess whenever a girl tells me, "Oh, my hips hurt," I'm like, "Well, my my hips don't lie." In 2002, in 2002, <laughs> I was just in 2002, I was just listening to a lot of Kiss and King Crimson and shit like that. So I don't know oh, why. There you go. <laughs> so, I have no idea what well, you're Well, that's saying. better than what I was listening to. I was listening to, like, From Zero, Alaska, like, all these, like, crazy, un, like, unknown bands that nobody knows about, and I thought I was cool, and my shit didn't. Yeah. Are we all like that in our youth, though? Oh, shit. Sorry. Yes, we are. I was in music now, and I still yeah. am. I still am. I still am myself, so don't fuck uh, I'm just the film geek. <laughs> Nah, dude, you you, you like some it. some good stuff, some weird stuff, and uh, oh, I love and I, it, and I and I like that, and I appreciate that because I've always been into like weird, obscure, like uh, cult films and B films and schlocky yeah. type yeah. shit. Honestly, you know? I'm just I'm, Roger I'm all Dorman is my hero, so you know George Romero and stuff like that. Those oh, guys there are my you heroes, go. You know, That's cool. yeah. between Romero and Roger Corman, those two guys are like my heroes. So I'm a I'm a Stanley Kubrick guy. Uh, Clockwork Orange is pretty awesome, but outside of that, <laughs> I love you know. uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, yeah. see, I I worked in a it's video store. Them. I worked in a video store when that came out, and I, I you know would get to watch whatever we wanted, and I just couldn't get into that shit. Like it's maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe if I go back now as an adult and I, I watch it, uh, because it's probably in my early twenties, probably when that came out. All right. If I go now, go back now in my mid forties, that I might enjoy that film a little bit more. All right. How about how about David Lynch? Oh, my serious? God. Yes. Fuck yeah, dude. Ooh. All right. Good. That's my that's Twin my Peaks second. For, yeah, Twin hell Peaks yeah. for fuck's sake. Blue Velvet. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Oh. That guy's done some of the most insanely weird and fucking acid tripped out movies ever. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, um, Eraserhead is one of those films that changed my life. That's yeah. one of those ones that really uh, um, kind of built my writing style. So, right, I, I, I love David Lynch. Yeah, talented man. Yeah. That's Beast, what are you talking about up there? You don't seem to be. You're not contributing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, when it comes to my style of movies, I mean, I'm I'm more into like just like the horror franchises and just typical yeah. horror movies. Outside of, oh, wait. Uh, I'm on my 
Outside of Friday the 13th, Dan the Beast, what uh, is your favorite? Uh, what else do you into as far as horror goes? Uh, I mean, when it, I mean, when it comes to horror, I mean, I, I'm more into like comedies. Um, yeah, I'm more into like a lot of like independent films as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, mainly, I you know, I just grew up as just like a horror guy. Uh, I'm yeah. huge when it comes to like documentaries, uh, especially when it comes to like certain musicians. So yeah. like you know, like back in the day, MTV used to air these series called Behind the Music, and I used to watch all these Behind the Music episodes with like Rat, Poison, Motley yeah. Crue, uh, Metallica, Anthrax. But um, you know, my my main thing is right here, you know, wrestling. I'm the historian guy. My main th- my main thing is wrestling. I've been a wrestling fan since I was probably like eight years old. But you know, as a teenager, I got into other stuff. And I've reignited my love for professional wrestling a number of times over the years. And this podcast is definitely one of them. A couple um, of years ago, running into Paul Roma at a gas station reignited my love for professional wrestling. So, you know, it's like, uh, and then outside of that, it's horror and B films and then punk rock, progressive rock, you know, stuff like that. It's just certain things just, they, I think that a lot of it just goes along with each other, you know? I, th- I think film will always be number one for me because I'm obsessed with film. It's bad. Yeah. But wrestling, it's a number two. Like, it will always have a special place. And it'll do things for me that film won't. Right. You know? Like, it, it has certain triggers that, you know, it. wrestling can do things that film won't. And then film can do things that wrestling won't. So it's just, it goes to it's it. Like- it's like you need a, a good, uh, you need something, so you watch a Crispin Wall match or something oh, like yeah. that. You know yeah. what I mean? Or like, or like uh, for me, it'd be Benoit or Arne Anderson. Or if you need something else, you sit there and you watch, I don't know, some shitty Kevin Smith movie or something. You know what oh, I mean? God. Like, when Kevin Smith was good. Hold up. When Kevin Smith was good, okay? But yeah, when, when he was, was good. When was he that? Hasn't made a good mo- he hasn't made a good movie in 30 years. Let's just be, well, maybe... <laughs> Maybe 25 years. So. DVD freak, I love how art- articulate you are. Like, you just you <laughs> think, when you say stuff, you just say it. You say what I think, but you put it in better words. Man. You're so much I mean, I mean, if this was a movie podcast, it would be bad. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> I can geek out over film like none other. But, yeah. yeah I love it. I had, I had a blast today. I was looking forward to this all week. I always, dude, I always look forward to this. Yeah, I'm definitely looking Sunday forward show. to this week. We got some good shows coming up. I mean, as well. Tomorrow night we got JT Dunn. That's a good show. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm excited to listen to that. Then. Um, Paradise Alley Professional Wrestling, which is run by Paul Ma- Roma and Mario Mancini, just announced uh, three shows in one day, sirs. Uh, August 29th, they're running a 3 p.m., a 5 p.m., and 7 p.m. show. They actually came out last night that they officially announced that they're all socially distancing events or whatever, the, however the fuck you want to put it when I'm sober. Um, so, <laughs> you know... I will be there the entire day. I, I, I guarantee I'm going to buy tickets for every single event and sit there and watch uh, and enjoy myself. God well, um, oh. I heard uh, SummerSlam might possibly be in Atlantic City. 
with fans in attendance. Uh, we'll have to see. I also heard a rumor of it taking place in a fucking boat. Yeah. So. <laughs> Who the Jericho cruise. No. <laughs> hey, that's one thing I actually want to go to is that cruise. <laughs> yeah, that cruise. I wanted to do that shit too, man. That is been rowdy. Let's get the fucking four of us to get there. <laughs> my, my wife won't go with me, so. Like a weekend with all those wrestling things? No. Oh, my. <laughs> See, um, here's the thing. If I told my girlfriend we were going on a cruise, she would be, like, ecstatic. And then I'm like, well, it's a wrestling cruise. And then, yeah, she wouldn't want to go. So. Yeah. yeah. Really? I think oh, she is, same dude, yeah. she's gone to wrestling events with me, but she hates wrestling. She doesn't hate it, but, like, she's, like, nah. nonchalantly supportive about it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. I've gone to my, I think my wife has gone to a total of two or three events with me overall, and uh, she sits there basically kind of just eh. You know, she's there because we took the kids or whatever. I took exactly. The kids. Yep. And it ends That's... up being a uh, yeah, no, whatever. I don't know, kind of a thing, because she doesn't really. I tell you, the only time I ever saw her turn her head up was for one match, and I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah. I think I mentioned this to DVD Freak and, and possibly JJ. She does not pay attention when it's on the TV. She doesn't care. But when I was watching the G1 and it was Okada and Osprey and the crowd was fucking going crazy, all of a sudden she just looks up. She goes, what's going on? And she actually sat there and paid attention to the whole match. Yeah. I thought it was just like that, that match and what those two were doing for that specific time to me, spoke volumes about those two gentlemen and the way that they were handling their business in the ring because they got someone that's not paying attention to pay attention. Well, um, For at least they, that 10, 15 minutes. Two things here. She, uh, yes. Like I said, she loved uh, Okada Omega 4, which we watched together. But I took yeah. her... We uh, went ringside for TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Mm-hmm. And the Ricochet and Adam Cole match, she actually popped for it. So that really? was wow. kind of a, that was a win for me. Next time That's you come cool. up to Brooklyn for a show, get in touch with me. Seriously, I'll meet you up there. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that far from me. Legit. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I'm uh, in too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, yeah. I'm like That's three crazy. hours. See, you're halfway across the country, JJ. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm in Chicago. I'm sorry. But Don't worry, that's I'll be coming out there. Don't worry. I, I'm there's, here, man. I'm the seven, there's going to be events out there, too, I want to go to. So don't worry about that. I'm going to make my way out there. I'm here. That, that's crazy. I Like, you all, they're like your wife and your girlfriend hate wrestling. But, like, I've been lucky, I guess, because we'll say since 2005, 06, 04, whatever, every girlfriend I've had. I usually get them interested, and they want to go to shows. Like I've been yeah. lucky, I guess. I don't yeah, know, yeah. but do you, but do you guys sit down and watch Grey's Anatomy and Sex in the City with your girlfriend? I hope you're joking. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm dead ass. You don't sit down. See, I've like, given in to certain shows. I've given in to certain shows. I've given in to certain shows. Like I sit there and I watch Married at First Sight every Tuesday night. Uh, I, and then and then and then uh, we'll see a ninety day fiance or some bullshit. So okay, like, hey, all right. My wife, my wife is like a huge. She's really into like reality TV. But I'm. I'll tell you. 
my I'll opinion is that wrestling is like the equivalent of that reality TV. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's, that's okay. I have one question for you. Have you yeah. watched? Uh, okay, I'm a sucker for really bad reality TV. I'm so not, I, I hate reality TV. So these are the only two shows I watch. Did you watch the last season of 90 Day Fiance? Because I actually know somebody uh, that I actually know the person that was on it. Which one? Uh, tell me which one it was. And then I'll it tell was you uh, her name was Lisa. She was from York, PA, which is where I'm from. And my mom she is went really for good the Nigerian with guy. Yeah, for the Nigerian. I, I know her. Yeah, she's like What's... a fifty-something-year-old guy that from Nor- from that went to not Norwegian for uh, Nigeria. Yeah. What was his name? Soldier Boy or whatever. Dude, you know that lady? I can't wait to tell my wife this story. But dude, yes, I I know her. She's, yeah, I know her. She's fucking oh crazy. God. No offense, dude. She's crazy. Dude, she dude, she lives five she lives five minutes away from me. Like <laughs> so how so how so how's Lisa and Soldier Boy doing? Um the last I heard, he was living here. I, I've never met him or anything, but Usman um, is his name. Usman is Usman, his name. Usman, yeah, Usman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to tell to tell my wife about this. You're gonna yeah. laugh. She's yeah, because my um, she was drinking buddies with my mom. Oh, it was. She seems like she had. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She seems like she's just quite the drinker as well. Because um, well, because um, they're not like drinking buddies, but like um, yeah, the one in the first episode, they went to a bar called the White Rose. That is literally right down from where I live, like ten Look minutes. Look at Dan. Dan. <laughs> this is amazing. This is. Amazing. I'm so glad they hit. Aren't you glad I brought it up? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Nine. I'm gonna tell you. Okay. You, you yeah, know what? I'll, I'll just come down to conclusion. I have to drink more. I really do. Yes, that's the conclusion. Yeah, no. right. I tell you, it's like one of the ladies was like from Middletown, Connecticut on that show, and then she's like fucking, just only a half hour away, and she's fucking insane. Like, but like you watch those shows, and you can realize, like those married shows, like the 90 Day Fiance, and you can realize who's getting married to come into the country. It's one thing. And you can realize who's fucking getting married, but they're completely fucking insane. You know, you get what I'm saying? It's just like, it's just fucking really fucking bizarre. I I think this is a wrestling podcast, so we should, the uh, thing about yeah, su- the thing about SummerSlam. Still... <laughs> oh yeah, sorry like, everybody, we got off track. Can I watch this on Hulu? What's that? Can I watch this on Hulu? Ah, uh, probably. Probably. Yeah. It, it, dude, it's okay. it's garbage. Most likely, it, it. it's uh, complete trash TV. It's complete uh, garbage TV. I'm sorry, I I got us off track. <laughs> now you'll probably sit there. You'll probably enjoy yourself. You'll probably laugh quite a bit. Uh, okay. You know. Yeah. And sorry, sit there. I'm gonna tell you, have a couple drinks beforehand. You'll probably sit there just be going, going, what the fuck? Every couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cheers, brothers. Cheers. <laughs> I'm all my out. beers. I'm all out. Yeah, I have nothing. I I got cheers. plenty. <laughs> I got this much. So Dan, you're gonna start drinking more. You know what? I might as well because I I think that's the only way I'm gonna be able to keep up with these topics of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Uh, yeah. I'll, 
a great show. Right. I love it. I'll be right back. I'll be right sure back. Oh, we'll be back, bro. You're here. That's amazing. No, but like it's just, I guess I'm lucky. We'll say since 04, 05, every, every girlfriend I've had, even the, you know, real girlfriends, I've been lucky. I've got them all in the wrestling. Some people like, are still, like, you know, one of the things that I, that I think is like people are surprised I'm still into wrestling. You're almost 45 years old. But guess what? I don't give a fuck. I don't care. It's something I enjoy. Give a fuck I'm not bothering. Yeah, I'm not bothering anybody. The other thing is that it's exactly. just like that they, they don't like it. They don't. Nobody else I've been with. My ex-wife would go to Northeast wrestling shows, indie shows with me. Yeah, that's cool. That was it. But that was it. Like once in a while. Oh uh, no! And, and, I, and I was lucky enough to have girlfriends. Like, oh, what happened on Raw? Can you tell me what happened on SmackDown? Yeah, like uh, I've been lucky to have. What, 04, 05, 15 years? These days, I barely watch. I don't watch nearly as much uh, as far as, like, the mainstream product goes, you know. Uh, I've been a a long-life fan since 1997. I can't recall what month, but all my mom can tell me was we were sitting on the bed one day watching wrestling, and I'm probably, like, three years old, and she's Looking through the channels, don't know what station it is. It's either Raw or Nitro because those are the only shows that were practically going on at the time on a Monday night. And you know, she was like, "I was like, oh, stop!" You know, and I instantly got hooked. And and you know, going forward with like all the birthdays and the Christmases, all the I remember getting the uh, the fucking WWF Bendem. You would get the ring with the exclusive Paul Bear. And, and, you know, it just went on after that, and just, I really want to have a good visual memory of watching wrestling, so probably the 2003 Iron Man match I smacked down with Angle and Brock. I like that match. So that was practically the only thing I remember, but, like, throughout, like, the first, like, maybe, like, four or five years of me being a wrestling fan, it was all, like, video games. So it was like I'm picking somebody like, oh, you know, Rey Mysterio and like Ultimate Dragon were like my guys, you know, growing up, you know, playing like the video games for like the N64 because I was actually a WCW fan before WWE. I told you guys, I was more NWA, WCW, and WWE until everything went out of business, basically. (laughs) It was only WWE. But obviously, this was like before I smartened up and everything and realized how trash yeah, WWE absolutely. was like the later years. Right, absolutely. Yeah, well, we have another episode in the book. It's, uh, what is it, 1115 or 1122 by you guys? 1118. Gentlemen. How long did we go? We went hour two hours. Just about an hour and a half. So, That's a great episode. Why don't we tell everybody where you can be found, JJ? Uh, you want to know where I can be found? All That's right. Why do bananas <laughs> like gymnastics? They like Why? to make good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I think that popped in. <laughs> you broke him. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just corny jokes like that that just... No. 
That's <laughs> is he in on this? Is he in on this? I, I didn't text him that. Nah, I don't think no. so. Whatever, <laughs> I'll tell him later. <laughs> At JJ Ten, sorry, double J S I N N T. Danny. You can find me on Facebook at Danny Bryant. You can find me on Instagram at D underscore BNG187. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at DanTheBeast94. And, of course, you can find me on YouTube at DanTheBeast94. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, especially if you're watching my channel and you're not subscribed. What, what are you doing? Hit that button. Freak. Um... Yeah, uh, the DVD freak on YouTube, wrestling DVD on Facebook. Um, I actually uh, recently had JJ on my channel, so that was awesome. And that was uh, awesome as well. I loved that episode. I uh, love. I had a blast. Yeah, once I get back, we can do another one. But yeah, I'm done. that's a. I was telling JJ that I grew up in an old farmhouse, and it was about a hundred years old. And there used to be shit in there. Like, that would happen on a somewhat frequently basis. I'll and tell you, you guys, what. Um, you want to do a video with me about it sometime? Let's do it. Yeah. Get, you know how to find me. Yeah. All right. Continue. Were you done? Oh, I'm done. Yeah. I don't have much oh, social right. media. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, the Rick Del Santo. And, of course, like the Pro Wrestle Zone podcast on uh, YouTube. I had something else to say, but I don't remember what the hell it was. Uh, shit. Oh, well. I guess that's it. Oh, um, next week. What SummerSlam are we covering next week? I, I don't remember. Oh, I don't 90, remember. 90, 98? 98? Yeah, 98. Yeah. Okay, make sure you tune in. Next week, we'll be talking SummerSlam 1998. Hold on. Before we go. Oh, oh, hey, we oh. Go. We're doing the JT Dunn segment tomorrow with me and Rick Del Santo. That's yes. going to be something. Also this week, uh, continuing on with the 2002 pay-per-view rundown with the DVD Freak. We are going over No Way Out and the debut of the NWO. God, how shit, how shitty was that? Ugh. And JJ, I got a joke for you, my friend. You want to talk about your Laffy Taffies? Listen, why do cows wear bells? I don't know. Because their horns don't work. Ha 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 ha.